Revolting is produced by the Cycling Independent, with the support of subscribers like you and additional underwriting from Shimano North America. We are community-focused, community-supported, and dedicated to the whole of cycling. Always remember, at the Cycling Independent, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. This is Revolting with Steve and Robot on the Cycling Independent, episode 51, The Battle Vest. Content warning. We're obligated to tell you before we start that this podcast contemplates both mature and immature themes. You might not like all the words we use, the ideas we bring up, so if you're sensitive about these things, maybe this isn't the podcast for you. Okay? We still love you. But go hiking. Beat it. Beat it. Get the fuck out of here. Get stupid. the fuck out. Stupid <laughs> dummy. <laughs> so stupid. Uh, good morning. We are a little more on the ball than ordinary. Like, usually we try to sit down at 8.30 West Coast time. Yes. Uh, and everything goes sideways immediately. And we maybe record an hour, hour and a half later. Like, that's our standard because our recording <laughs> software doesn't work or whatever. And this time, uh, we're recording not only, we're t- 10 minutes ahead of schedule. So this is, this is a banner day for both of us. I think. It's unprecedented. I will say that you look like the, excuse me, you look like the, you look like the fresh faced version of you. Oh man, that's wild. Cause, um, I feel like hot trash. And I just yeah. choked on a swallow of coffee and uh, I'm still, I'm ne- I'm testing negative now, <clears throat> I think. I don't know. Yeah. I ran out of tests, so I'm assuming that I'm probably in the clear by now, uh, but still a little congested and uh, the air quality index in the region of the United States where I currently am existing is like 250. So it's absolute poison outside. Um. I think Beijing usually lands at about 500. So right now we're about half as bad as Beijing is on their worst day. Oh, wow. And I think that might be affecting my respiratory system a little bit. I don't know. I haven't seen the sun in weeks. I, I have a chest cold also, which I received from my kids. It did not trigger any COVID tests, but it did um, trigger my um, deep apathy. <laughs> it's amazing how uh how quickly a cold would just send you over the edge right yes really the most minor illness <laughs> and i i'm trying to tap out and i'm wondering why the ref doesn't just let me leave yes. the ring i just want to die why you know everything's going pretty good oh i have the sniffles the sniffles it's a sniffles <laughs> issue <laughs> You know how terrible the sniffles are. Oh, they're the worst. It's totally debilitating. Yeah. No, everything's great. Everything's great. How, so, uh, I don't remember. I don't even remember last week. How are you doing? I'm, I went away with um, some friends of mine, uh, whom I go away with every year to uh, an island off the coast. Um, that sounds and we nice. Spent it is nice. It is nice. It's a, it's pretty, it's, um, it's a vacation community for the very wealthy. And if you just wait till the weather isn't that great, it becomes suitable for people like me. Oh, regulars. Yeah. Regular people. So we go and I sleep on a couch in this house, uh, but the house is on a sea cliff. So you, from my couch, I can wake up in the morning and see the sun rising over the Atlantic ocean. Um, that sounds, that sounds like a suitable environment for a murder mystery. Yeah. Yeah. I thought so too, which is why I murdered two of my friends this year. (laughs) Oops. There goes the mystery. That was quick. Damn. I just watched the fourth season of a television show called the center, uh, which is 
Very, very good. I, I quite is it like mysterious? it. Mysterious? It's, uh, it is. It's about a detective who is hyper neurotic and just an emotional train wreck, uh, played by Bill Pullman. Uh, and the first season was, it's all been executively produced by Jennifer Beale. Um, but she starred in the first season and the first season was just like, what the fuck? It, he had no idea what was going on. And every season, uh, that followed is a little, it's a lot of curveball. Uh, but the new one took place in Maine and there was lots of cliffs and islands and beautiful vistas yeah, yeah, yeah. and not having ever been to the East coast or new England or any of it. Um, uh, I'm pretty intrigued by those, uh, by those views or those, scen- yeah. that scenery. The, yeah. It's pretty dramatic from the house we stay in. You can walk kind of down this little gully that gets to the beach. And then like, it's just, waves crashing on sand and like a clay cliff. Mm. I take some solace from the fact that several wealthy people will own houses that are completely underwater. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. It's already happening on the West coast. Like all of these huge mansions are already falling into the ocean because who knew uh, the ocean erodes cliff sides. I mean, who could have guessed who could have guessed that Um, just from looking so uh, let's get into. Uh, glad to see that we're both here and we're both in spectacular, spectacular moods already. This is going to be. I have a feeling we're just going to. This is going to devolve in both of us crying and hitting stop early. Uh, I could use a cry. So let's get into music pick of the week. Uh, what, what's your? What do you got cooking? I'm going back to the Melbourne area garage punk well with a band called Civic, uh, which is all capitalized. I'm not really sure why. Maybe it's an acronym for something that I want not even going to attempt, but uh, they are a delightful um, rocking and rolling band if you like such things. Is it, it, I mean, you can't hardly go wrong with garage, anything, anything that's happened in a garage is good. Yeah. Last week I picked uh, Stiff Richards who are from the same scene. And I would say Stiff Richards is a little bit faster and looser and Civic is a little bit tighter and catchier. I like, I like that. Okay. Yeah. I feel like I've seen is the back, is the last C backwards or is it forwards? That would require noticing, which is not a thing I do. Okay. Sorry. I feel like I've come across them at some point or another, but I believe it would, it was cause it looked, it's a, it's a palindrome. It is a palindrome. Oh, and so the backwards C would make it really nice in so that way. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Closed, closed ends. I don't know. Maybe I'm just making this up, but I feel like I've seen that somewhere before. Could be. Uh, well, okay. My, uh, my pick also then is, uh, it's girls against boys. Uh, it's a wonderful rock and roll band from New York. Uh, uh, but the album in particular is called Tropic of Scorpio. And I think that was their first record. I don't know. I hadn't seen that on vinyl in years and years. And, uh, went into my friend Corey just opened well he bought the uh, the rec- the big record store here in Bellingham it's called uh oh Jesus ritual records thank you even I know this yeah I just went straight to revolting I, like the one <laughs> r word in my vocabulary uh ritual records in Bellingham and and it was Tropic of Scorpio on vinyl was just sitting on the counter like where I stood and of course I you know being a slave to impulse buys. I went yeah. straight for it and uh, have been listening to that nonstop. It's a great record. They're a great band. And I was really excited to see that they were on tour again. And somehow, I guess I must have been out of town, but <clears throat> they played not very far from me and I, I missed the show. I haven't seen them in years. They explain to people what they sound like. Oh, <clears throat> that's going to be challenging. I think it is. Yeah. Cause they have like some weird synth stuff. And, uh, one of the guitarists is this total sound scientist. 
who I think like made his own guitar and his guitars make their own, you know, unique sounds. Uh, but they're great. I don't know. That's a good record to start with Tropico Scorpio. And if you like that, it's like, I've heard it referred to as like lounge rock or like heavy psych lounge. I don't fuck. I don't know. <laughs> heavy psych lounge. Who cares? I, for some reason, I know they're from New York, but they, for me, they're like discord adjacent. They're like, they're like on the fringe of the DC sort of post punk sound. Well, does that were, make any sense? They were fully, they were DC. I mean, they, Scott McCloud was in a band called soul side before. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, and that That's was, why I think that, yeah, that was discord. And so I just began telling a story before we started recording and a uh, robot told me to slow my roll and wait for a second. It's not that great. Don't say anything of music just to me. But <laughs> we're just wasted. <clears throat> we're we're wasting energy just talking to each other. God. We have to record everything. So uh, I was going to see Girls Against Boys. This is probably in 1993 or 1994. I was uh, getting a ride from my friend Ashley. And we're driving down the, some street south of Market in San Francisco. And I see this guy with a really nice orange cross bike. I believe it was a rock lobster, which at this time, you know, at that day and age, you didn't see people seeing people on nice hand belt bikes was was a pretty unique uh, thing. And so I see this guy and he's got some nice lights on it and a nice bike. And I was like, huh, that's well, that's I don't know that guy. That's weird. And we park. And uh, we're, we walk up to the bar and the guy on the bike is locking his is locking up in front of the, the club and the guys in Girls Against Boys all like circle around him and they're giving him hugs. And I was like, what the fuck is this? What's going on here? And probably a year or a year and a half later, I ended up meeting him and becoming friends with him. And it turns out that this guy, Jake, uh, grew up in Vermont, but then became friends with him in D.C., and uh, roadied for him for Soulside for a number of years and traveled around the world. And so that was that was when I first met Jake. Oh, that opens kind of a cool story. He told me about uh, he was in Holland. They were in Holland uh, and they were staying with somebody. And Jake was from a little town in Vermont. Um, I don't remember which. That's all of the towns in Vermont. Yeah. Go even, on. <laughs> even like the big towns are small towns. Yep, yeah, uh, that's right. Comparatively. So <clears throat> anyway, this guy who they he just met, who was like the promoter of the show or, or you know, he booked the club, the book, the bands or whatever. Coincidentally, he gets a postcard from a friend of his who was traveling in the United States who happened to be in Jake's little town. And on this postcard, Jake is looking at it and it's a picture of the main street in Jake's hometown and walking down the main street was Jake's mom. On the postcard? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's one of my favorite stories Jake ever told me. So I feel like a wormhole opens up there and everyone just drops into it and no one ever hears from them again. How weird is that? Like, you know, it just kind of goes to show every, no matter where you go, there you are. That's better than seeing like um, Google street viewing your house and seeing you on your front <laughs> lawn flipping off the car with your pants around your ankles. Yeah, I would. I've always I've seen there's a guy who works at Shimano. I think he works at Shimano. He's found himself three times on Google Street View, like riding around, riding around Southern California. That is crazy. I know. I know. I've I've found my houses. I found my I've seen my truck. I saw my friend Doug when I worked at Santa Cruz. I did Google Street View of the old Santa Cruz factory. I saw Doug walking across the parking lot. But what I what I find crazy about Google Street View is often, well, not often, but like I have looked up the houses I lived in when I was a kid, right? And they don't look like the composite memory in my head. And then I'm like, I guess I'm going to trust this thing over my own memory. Like my memory must be less reliable than the guy who drove by and took a picture. Right. Well, yeah, but then it's also entirely possible that the house has changed in the last 40 years. Oh, 
people do things when I'm not watching them. <laughs> yeah, without your, your your written permission. Jeez, that mm-hmm. seems rude. Yeah. Well, speaking of your friend Shimano. Oh. Let's um let's pause for a commercial break. Oh, hey, it's story time with Steve. When I was eight or nine years old, my mom and dad bought me my first BMX bike. It was a JC Penny Free Spirit. And in time, I went on to put some nice accessories and components on it, like a tough neck stem and CW bars, which just made it sort of the embodiment of putting a nice frame on a shitty painting. One day I was hanging out at the local bike shop, which during the winter was a ski shop. It was a little tiny place run by this guy named Andy. And one day he gave me a 10 inch long die cut Shimano sticker. It was blue. I didn't really know what Shimano was or anything about it, but I put it on my top tube and immediately made the bike 150% cooler. It was around that time that I probably became a lifelong Shimano guy. All right. That was, all right, all that, right. was, that was fun. I wonder which story I just told. <laughs> I bet it was a, a banger. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're talking about battle vests. Yes, this episode is about how a sleeveless garment, lovingly adorned with patches that indicate your primary predilections, can make you a bigger, stronger, more resilient person. Is that right? We- yeah, well, you know, when uh, I was when I read the notes the other day, I was actually going to try to do a deep dive on like where the term battle vest came from, because that's yeah. definitely something I had never heard before I came across it on the Internet. And I don't know, like, why, why, why did they why did they start being called battle vests? Why don't you explain to um, the uninformed and unwashed masses? I presume they're unwashed. I'm unwashed. Same. Uh, yeah. Uh, why don't you explain to them what a battle vest is? Well, better than I just did. To my understanding, it's just a it's a sleeveless denim vest uh, that denim. you put you patches all over. Um, I first saw them. There's a skateboard team uh, that was started in the Bay Area called Jack the Jacks Team J A K S, and they would play. They would take like two skid plates and um, bolt them together on a like for your skateboard for your tail of your skateboard and they would they would bolt them together and play hockey like skate hockey with them like back in the 80s and they uh-huh. had vests that were uh sleeveless and usually had some kind of like uh animal fur or not usually but would sometimes have animal fur on the on the front pant not up your shoulder panels and uh they would have you know various designs painted on the back and, uh, I, and that was, you know, it was, maybe that was kind of a throwback or somehow associated with, with biker cuts, but I never heard of biker cuts being referred to as battle vests. So it could have been started in like motorcycle culture. I really, I've got, I've got no idea. So contem- in contemporary culture, yeah, it's a denim vest covered in patches and maybe studs and, you know, whatever. Which is, we, we associate them, um, with gutter punks, yeah, right, yeah, I guess so. Among other, among other subcultures, yeah. Um, I mean, I didn't, I don't know. I, my mom, I bought a vet, I bought a Levi jacket when I was eighteen, mm. and when I was twenty, twenty two or twenty three, I cut the sleeves off, and then I put some fake fur on it. And I started putting patches on it. And then in 1996, I painted uh, Scott Berg, who was one of the Amigos, one of the orange jumpsuited Amigos. The first year I started riding with them and they gave me my own jumpsuit. And it had this guy in a jumpsuit and a sombrero and a big cup of beer. And he was riding a bike. And I think it was a drawing that Scott did. And I did a variation of that. And, uh, and then I drew that and painted it on the back of my jacket, hand painted it. And then I hand painted it on Scott's on a shop jacket for Scott and a shop jacket for Robert. And I've drawn it. I like, I could have just screen printed Robert it. Robert Ives. Mm-hmm. Yep. Of a uh, blue collar. 
I could probably could have screen printed it, but instead insisted on hand drawing it and painting it like several times. And then finally gave up. And this guy, Brad Allen sort of did a revision of the design, which was much better than anything I could have done. And then we finally got it screen printed on like proper new coveralls. <clears throat> um, Excuse um, me. I, I want to go back to you're 22 or 23 years old. Yeah. And you own a Levi's denim jacket. You're you're right in Kevin Bacon footloose territory there. And you decide I'm going to cut the sleeves off this. At the time, did that feel sort of like applying for college? You're like, I'm going to make this big life move now. No, I don't. I didn't really like it. I mean, I remember wearing a jacket. It's just like you, you know, it's like a light jacket, like a windbreaker. And I I believe Mm. I got it for. I believe I bought it with like Christmas money when I was a senior in high school or something. I don't know. I don't know why I, I didn't want a Levi's jacket. I don't ever remember <laughs> thinking I want to. It just Le- happened to you. Yeah. It just hap- this jacket just happened to you. I don't ever remember like specifically wanting it, but whatever, the sleeves ended up falling off somewhere along the way. And then I started yeah. putting patches on it. And, uh, and I was pro I was probably in my mid twenties and then it was, and then it was, uh, oh, I was messaging and a number of times I fell asleep on the last train going from San Francisco yes. to the East Bay. And, and the last train is the last train. Like you fall asleep and you wake up in Concord or Walnut Creek or Pittsburgh and you're fucked. It's just you <laughs> and a bunch of other drunk people like wandering around like zombies wondering what they're going to do. And this is before ride shares or any of that. And cabs were $75, I think back to Oakland. And, uh, and finally, after the last time, there was this other woman and she clearly had fallen asleep as well. And so I was asking her first, I was going to ride back because I was only in Arenda, which is not the worst ride back to Oakland. But at nighttime with no lights, it would be pretty treacherous. So I see this woman. She's also she fell asleep on the last train. And and I said, hey, you want to um, split a cab? And she and right then her boyfriend shows up and. And I was like, man, could I, he had a bike rack on his truck. And I was like, could I get a ride back to Oakland? I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't, you know, like, he's like, no, man, I got a, like my girlfriend's drunk. It's one o'clock in the morning. Like, I, don't, I just can't deal with you. And I was like, look, your my bike will be on your truck. I'll hand you my wallet. If anybody's going to get fucked in this deal, it's going to be me. And sort of begrudgingly, he was like, ah, oh, all right. And it turns out that we knew some, we had some mutual friends that worked in some local bike shops and, He's pretty cool. Gave me a ride home. But at that point I realized, like I knew I had to do something to keep from falling asleep. Cause there was, there was nothing. I was thinking about putting a sign around my neck that said, I'm a narcoleptic and please wake me up at this station. I used to set an alarm on my pager to wake me up. And it was just, it was uh, this, this relentless battle to stay awake. And so finally I started sewing patches on my vest and that's what I did to stay awake until my train stop came. Oh, yeah. A I mean, little, that's a not needlecraft. Yeah, that's not the only. That was not the, the. Those weren't the only patches I put on there. But I like to joke that each patch represents a seventy-five dollar cab ride that I didn't take. But that's um, yeah. So that's that thing's thirty. I don't know, thirty years old, twenty-eight years old, or something. And what is the substance of it now? Would you say it's still denim? Or like what percentage of it is dead skin cells and body odor? Uh, we got into a mustard fight. Uh, the, my Hodala friends and I got into a mustard fight uh, last year. And it's in it. There's, there's so there's mustard like all in the fake fur. Like it's it's like 25 percent <laughs> mustard now and 25 <laughs> percent b- bad decisions. Uh, the yeah. collars completely disintegrated. Um uh, I get those iron on patches, you know, like that go inside of the knees of your tough skin. So it looks like you have these little rectangular armored knees when you're yeah. a kid. I don't yeah. know if your mom put iron on patches in your knees sort of as a, as a pre, uh, what's the term? Um, a prophylactic. No, just uh, doing it preemptively before you blew your knees out. She, she like armored, sure. double armored them. Um, so because there's no, there's nowhere to stitch. There's nothing to get purchase in. I basically iron on the whole collar 
from the inside. <laughs> so the it, the inside is just held together with iron-on hatches. Uh, it's really, it's beat. When you stride into a room or into a gathering outdoors wearing your battle vest, what do you think it communicates to standers by? Uh, I bet that guy saved a lot of money on cab rides. Oh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. I think yeah. probably. <laughs> Uh, I that don't guy's know. handy with a needle and thread. They think not just not barely. And loves mustard. Uh, he, lo- he loves mustard. I so the pa- the pockets are sewn shut because I'm so not handy with the needle and thread. Um, yeah. The front pockets, the breast pockets, they have there's patches that have yet to be sewn on in there. Uh, I have a tiny little scrap of uh, shirt that Robert Ives was wearing at his bachelor party. Somewhere along the way, his <laughs> his shirt got torn off of him. Uh, and I have a yeah. little patch of his his bachelor party shirt on my on my jacket and like a little piece of shock cord in case I need it for something. I mean, it's sort of like a utility best. I, I mean, a utility yeah, I was going to say this sounds like the bat, like something like the bat suit or the utility belt on some level. Yeah, there's some I got I got stuff in there, and, you know, just in case probably some Band-Aids and, and stuff. I don't know. They're really full right now. I kind of got to I got to do inventory. <laughs> it's also a filing cabinet. Oh, there's just so there's just so much junk. Uh Pat and probably the earliest patch, like the oldest patch I have on there, is I think an independent trucks patch that I had when I was in I got when I was in ninth grade. I think that's the oldest patch I have on there. Mm. But it's yeah, it's a little kind of a museum piece. I don't really own very much, so it's in my will. <laughs> oh nice. You know, so somebody gets my vest. Gosh, I'm going to be nicer to you. Um, uh, so I don't have a battle vest, but I did. <clears throat> I inherited. It's a it's a long story, uh, but basically my mom's first husband, who was the father of my brother, but not of me. Mm-hmm. He died. He died when my mom was like, I think she married him when she was 19 and he died. He was in the Navy and he he crashed his plane in the Atlantic Ocean and is no longer with us. But so she got his Navy stuff. And one of the things she got was this Navy jacket. This like blue. It was Navy blue, if you could imagine. And um, (laughs) (laughs) and uh, it was like from the 50s. And I don't know why we had it, but I started wearing it. I started wearing it in. Like the late 80s. And so it's 30 something years old and it had started like the, the, um, the integrity of the fabric was no longer consistent or reliable. So it was getting all these little like rips in it. And, uh, I was, I was, you know, a dirt bag. I was living in somewhere here in Boston. I was buying all my clothes at the Amvets. And I had this jacket and I really liked it. It was comfortable and it fit me. So I got a sewing kit and I sewed all the rips in it. And there were a lot. I sewed all the rips in it with yellow thread. Um, so no patches and no statements, but I still could wear it to a place and have people think, what the fuck? Well, there's like. I mean, you could go to Urban Outfitters and, you know, pay $200 for distressed. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's the, the that's a whole thing, like distressed clothing, you know, you could have you considered what what you could get for that thing on Etsy? No, no. But I've seen that people, you know, there are people selling like like legitimate punk rock leathers, you know, with spikes and. And, yeah. and bands that the people who pay for the jackets have never heard of. And, and then there's this, there's a, there's a whole realm of punk leathers that have like bands that don't exist. Oh, and that's the it, best. It's like, uh, one, one I saw said it was called, it said like minor threp with a P <laughs> I think. And you know, bad brains, b r a i m s. Minor strip. It's I just have like a bad, like <laughs> it's a tickle. It, oh my god, it's <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, 
and I saw, I was in Brooklyn a, a few, I don't know, five or six years ago. And there was a boutique that was selling like gutter punk pants, like yeah. dirty black jeans with, with neurosis patches sewn on them with dental floss. Like it was fucking, it's, cr- it's crazy. You know, there's this drive for legitimacy. You want to look like you play in shit, but you don't want any shit on you. It's, it's, yep. it's really, it's really bewildering to me. I, I love it in that I think it's ridiculous, but I also think that it says exactly the right thing about the person wearing it. It's, it's in a, in a way it's a, it's the most honest lie there is. Well, it's, but you know, it's like distress. It's like vintage band shirts, vintage band shirts selling for hundreds of dollars, you know, or, or you have the, like the faux vintage band shirts for people who can't spend hundreds of dollars on a t-shirt. It's just, it's so wild to me. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, in a way, this goes back to the battle vest, because I think all of those things, as corny as they are, are designed to communicate something that that person feels that they want you to know about them. I was born in 1982, but my heart is with Pink Floyd in 1977. And that's that's fine. You know, like if you're I. I, I kind of laugh about uh, kids that I went to high school with. There was a bunch of kids that were, you know, like really into the dead and they were yeah. sort of like fancied themselves sort of deadheads and, you know, but like that ship had sailed 20 years earlier, which now like the early nineties, like the bands of the early nineties, like yeah. that happened longer ago from this point right now than than the summer of love happened in 1989. I mean, that was only 20 years ago. Right. When I was 18, 20 years ago seemed like a lifetime ago. But yeah. now, you know, it's like the grunge explosion happened 30 years ago. So that's older from this point than the hippie movement. But I always thought it was kind of funny. Like you're what the fuck do you know? You're 15 year old, 15 years old. What the fuck do you know about the doors? I, on my island escapade this last weekend, I encountered a young lady who had a Grateful Dead uh, tattoo on her arm. And I thought, ah, that's a big commitment to something. A band that has lost, you know, 80% of its original members to old age. Yeah. yeah. But, you you know, you, you it's, do. It's, I think you it's about you. telling people something about yourself. Tell a- me about... Agreed. Yeah. Tell me about the uh, future of your battle vest. I mean, do you wear it less because you feel it's fragile or? No, it's not. I don't know. I wear it. A lot of times I'll just wear it over another jacket. Like I have a, a Dickie shop jacket and I'll wear it over that on, you know, cold days. So it's like, mm. it's just a secondary layer. I did for this year's wizard staff celebration which uh, for those who aren't aware, Wizard Staff is a drinking game. And I decided that the third Saturday of every June should be International Wizard Staff Day, uh, thir- 13 and a half years ago. Now, Wizard so, Staffs across the universe, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, I was calling it Wizard Staffs across the world. But then that Brad Allen character who did the updated Amigos graphic, he, he started calling it Wizard Staff across the universe. So I figured... Why not? You know, include, be inclusive, include everybody. Yeah. It, there might be other beings in the universe who would like to drink beer and tape cans of beer together or whatever. Yeah. So this year I decided that I wanted to start, well, we were going to do a, the Hodala characters and I, I thought we were going to do a calendar. We've done a couple calendar shoots, which are pretty funny. And, uh, and everybody ends up getting naked pretty much. But this year I was thinking I'm going to start wearing, t- I'm going to wear t- all white or white pants, white shoes, white belt, white shirt, white jacket. And then the pictures are going to, as, as the day goes on, I'm be- going to become dirtier and <laughs> and more covered. And it'll be like this fun transition from like super it's clean and pressed to the, you know, the 12th or the 15th or the 18th month or whatever. And I'm just like 
covered in brown and black mud and dirt. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, but we ended up not doing a shoot this year. Um, so my friend Kate and I just dressed up in white and I got a couple grass stains on my pants, whatever that, you know, it didn't, it didn't, not, it didn't, wasn't the experiment that I was plotting it to be. Uh, but so now I have this like brand new super spanky white Levi's jacket that I've worn one time. And I was thinking that would be kind of fun to have because everybody does like black battle vests. That's the, the color yeah. of choice. Uh, and I was thinking about doing a white one and like, what would that look like? But eventually it would just be so it would look like a piece of soiled tissue. You know, I mean, go it, for it. I, I think I don't think it would look as cool as I think it would look. I don't think it would look. I mean, cool isn't the word that I would go for. But I mean, as it uh, in line with the original idea of starting with something pristine and then living in it as hard as you one might yeah. until it becomes a different thing. I think that process is pretty interesting. Yeah. And nobody likes white too. You know, like I get a cool fucking like deicide back patch or something, yeah. uh, uh, ass an ass suck bass pa back patch and put it on a white jacket. That it was, it's almost sacrilege. I like that. You will make some people, you will irritate some people with it. <laughs> And as I said that, I realized how much of my amusement comes from irritating other people. I need I need to work on that. Okay. Oh, uh, it's you know I mean it's uh, that's it's such silly you know gatekeeping like oh your your battle vest has to be black or blue, like or you're not you know serious. But you get like a Celine Dion back patch and put it on a white battle vest, yes. and that's just gonna that's gonna irk the shit out of people because there are rules. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I like. A, there's a great Instagram. Sorry to interrupt, but I feel like I got to fit this in somewhere. There's a great Instagram feed called Endless Blockades, and if memory serves, it's Endless underscore Blockades, and it's just pictures of people's jackets, and some are silly, and some are. I mean, they got to weigh seventy five pounds. There's so much metal. <laughs> there's so much shit on these, and uh. And uh, I don't think, I don't know, Rob Halford has a battle from, uh, from Judas Priest. He has a battle duster. And I don't know if you've seen this, but it is a full length, like, yes. to the floor duster covered in fucking patches. Yeah. It's the coolest. And I just would like, <laughs> I want to sit, I want to look and see what patches are on there. Like there yeah. are hundreds there's got to be there's got to be 200 patches on this thing. Do you think Rob Halford sewed all those on himself or did he take his Judas Priest money and <laughs> hire hire like a, a duster lackey? You know, I think that he's he's the type of guy. James Hetfield also has a battle vest. And I don't necessarily believe that. I think that that's pretty disingenuous. In James's case, but I have a suspicion that that Rob Halford is the kind of person who sewed maybe not every single patch on because he's a busy guy. He so probably sewed, but you know, a majority of them on. I like to think so. I think so. I I like that um, the battle vest is sort of like the punk version of the bedazzle. You know, like the bedazzler. <laughs> I wish the Bedazzler commercial had been like, that looks like it costs a hundred dollars. That's my favorite line from the original Bedazzler yeah. commercial, right? So people are bedazzling their sweatshirts with sequins and stuff. Yeah. And then I like that they maybe just cut to you sewing on like, uh, uh, I don't know, even want to know what I can't even guess at what patch you might be sewing on, but I like, the, and then you're smiling. <laughs> My ex bedazzled. It looks like it has hepatitis. My ex, <laughs> my ex bedazzled my my battle vest when I wasn't looking. Both my coveralls and my battle vest. She got both of them. That's a, oh yeah, yeah. That's a, that was a funny prank. And then there's there's this oh there's this other. We saw this guy in a bar in Seattle, and this guy looked like he just went through a catalog. He went through like a like a biker like a punk biker catalog, and was like, ah, uh, engineer boots. Ching ching, two hundred fifty dollars. Oh, right. brand new Levi's five hundred one. Ching, 
$75 or however much right. Levi's cost. And this cat all the way up, his shit was so new and so clean. So my friend Joe and I coined the term fresh pressed battle vest. Oh yeah. So when you see people where you're like, Hmm, that looks like that came off the, just off the rack. Fresh pressed yeah. battle vest. I like it. Might be the name of the song. I mean, I song. guess, what do you, how do you feel about the evolution of a battle vest? Like, could, like, would you, it doesn't seem right to me that 22, 23 year old, you would cut the sleeves off that thing and then sew patches all over it. Like it, it's not a one day creation, right? It's oh. not like a single, it has to evolve. Doesn't it? I think that, that, that would, that makes sense to me. It, there's a progression. Uh, you know, but if you're, what if you're at home with mono and you're like, well, I guess I don't have anything else to do. So I'm just going to go through my collection of patches. And, and if you bang it out that way, that would make sense. But if you're really committed to like, I need to force visual legitimacy and I'm going to, I'm going to spend the weekend. No, I personally feel as though it should be a little bit of a, uh, progression. And how do you feel about things coming off the battle vest and being replaced by other things? Uh, that's fine. I mean, if you're going to wear it, it's going to threads going to, if you're as shitty a sewer as I am, your thread, your stitches aren't going to hold. So, uh, personally, I, I wait until, or I don't wait until it falls off completely. I, I try to get back in there and do a little bit of damage control. I don't have very good sew kits. So I have like the ones I've gotten from hotels. Right. Right. And stuff in the thread on those is not super durable. So, so and, a lot of my patches are kind of just barely, barely there. But if you, uh, that's no, so that's maintenance, but like that Dave Matthews band patch that you put over your heart, uh -huh. is that a thing <laughs> where you would be like, Oh, actually <laughs> I'm going to switch that up with my hoodie and the blowfish patch or my yeah. big head Todd yeah, yeah. and the monsters patch because yeah. Um, my tastes are super fickle. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, I'm surprised that you, you don't have one. That seems like, it seems like the kind of thing that you'd have tucked away from maybe when you were young and foolish. You know, I was definitely young and foolish. Um, if I'm honest, I mean, I did sew up that Navy jacket, but that was more like repair. I'm just not that creative or, uh, and I'm lazy. Uh, so that never happened. I do remember. So I went to a religious private school and we had to wear white button down shirts to school every day. And at some point, I don't know, my junior or senior year, I took like markers and like did all kinds of like goofy punk shit on one and cut the sleeves off. And I was like this, I'm going to wear this. <laughs> and then I think I put it on one time and was like, I am not going to wear this. And that's kind of like apex of me trying to like i guess what my brother might re uh, have referred to as showing out you you had a you had kind of a bummer first experience which pointed your trajectory in a different direction you know if you had, if that first shirt had been a success it might have changed your your aesthetic or your perspective of uh, your perspective on, on how, how you would feel wearing something like that. I wonder, I don't know. I think so. I think it, it was a little bit, I'm, I'm not, um, I'm a pretty low key guy. I think my, my visual aesthetic is always trying to be simple, as simple as possible. Yeah. Don't want to get, you don't want to, I, I, I get that. You don't want to be like, stick out like a sore thumb. You don't necessarily want to draw attention to yourself but that's it if it doesn't feel genuine though if it doesn't like i i guess i don't mind it if it's stuff that's real like i don't i wouldn't want to walk into a place wearing like big clown shoes or something just for the sake of wearing clown shoes unless i really liked wearing clown shoes but even like like bondage pants, like I don't feel like bondage pants. I've always wanted a pair of bondage pants and I bought a pair a couple of years ago. And I wear them occasionally, but it's not, it just doesn't feel they're just not me. You know, 
I think that's it. I think uh, I think I'm just not. I'm just not that person. Um, for better and worse, I don't know. Maybe it's a lack of self confidence, or maybe it's just a. Uh, uh, I would rather fly under everyone's radar, or like the aesthetic I want to put out is, uh, just a minimalist thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's there's definitely something something to that as well. There's probably didn't there's some saying about you know you can tell you can tell a lot about a person by what's in their closet or so. Am I did I just make that up? Has anybody uh, ever said anything about like that? You. Clothes, I don't know. Clothes make the man, I guess. Clothes, clothes make the fish. Um, they make delicious fish. Um, there's a fella in town who has a battle vest. Who has a? I mean, it's like it's intense. This guy, I've never seen him without it. And he has he has a little dog, a little fuzzy sort of terrier kind of dog, and he also has a little battle vest. Uh, I think the guy ran out of room on his own, and so he was like, well. Scruffy gets one too. It's pretty cute. That's awesome. He's pretty. I saw, he's a pretty intimidating figure. So you know, to see this guy who is like somebody be like, "Well, that's not a person I want to fuck with." And then he's got a tiny dog in a battle vest. You're like, "Well, that's kind of a person I would like to be friends with, actually." But you <laughs> yeah. know, but he's still pretty. He's pretty pretty intimidating <laughs> cat. I saw a woman the other day walking her dog, and she had she was one. Older woman, and she had on a safety vest. And it was very bright. And she had on, um, she had like a yellow safety vest and then neon pink socks. So it was like, wow. Gosh, that's a and lot of, then, it's a lot of visual, what? that's a lot of visual heat. It was a lot of visual heat. And then I looked down and she also had like a little Scotty or something. And it had on a yellow <laughs> safety vest. And it made me so happy in my heart. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Uh, I wonder if that was even like it wasn't. She wasn't doing it ironically. She was just doing it. She didn't. She doesn't want to be hit by a car. A hundred percent. I believe that it was a practical. Uh, <laughs> I think that. Well, actually, I think her vest and the dog's vest were safety. But I think the matching pink socks. I think that. I think that's a little bit of whimsy. Yeah. Huh. I think that's cheeky. Cheeky little socks. I'd have to. I'd ha I'd have to ask. Or you know, you just go up and be like, "Excuse me, but I I just gotta say, I really I love your cut. You know, like this is <laughs> this is great." And she would say like, "Oh, thanks." You know, like oh, just you know, it's something I threw together. Or she would look at you totally confused and wonder wh why why this is just this is just how we roll all the time. Yeah, don't you don't you just leave the house in a safety vest? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. What if you had? What if your battle vest was a safety vest? What if instead of the white battle vest, you did a high vis safety vest? I bought a high vis. I mean, battle vest. I bought a high vis vest. Uh, this is kind of a skateboarder's trick. Uh, you wear what you put on a, a safety vest, and you go about your business like building out DIY spots. And people yeah. think that you're just a city worker. Oh, and yeah, so yeah, it yeah. kind of became this like low key skateboard fashion to wear a safety vest. It's, it's fucking <laughs> great. I, I, but I bought one a couple years ago. Um, I think we talked in an earlier episode about how sometimes you'll go into a store before a camping trip or a bike race weekend or something. And, and I'll be walking around and, and it's like, I think I compared it to that scene in Dumb and Dumber when uh, Jim Carrey's walking down the street and he's got the giant foam cowboy hat on and the box of beer and the pinwheels and shit. Like, I'm, yeah. I just feel compelled to buy all this useless shit. Right. Uh, and so we were getting ready for Wizard Step, uh, handsome Andrew Kemp uh, from Shimano America, and I were getting ready for Wizard Staff Day. And we went into a hardware store. For some reason, I think we needed, maybe we needed duct tape. I guess we just needed duct tape. But I walked out again with like armloads full of shit. And one of the, <laughs> one of the things I bought was a, was a safety vest. And so it's just oh. kind of like, I don't know if I'm ever feeling like extra ragged or like extra, uh, it would make like I'm in additional peril. I'm going to, you know, get into some hijinks and I, uh, 
a lot of people and like people who are really into, you know, energy work and crystals and stuff talk about blue, like protecting yourself with the blue ball or blue is a color of protection. It has something to do with St. Michael or whatever. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> so it's sort of like a, a physical blue ball what? of protection. Okay. I Safety vest, you know, just smart. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I love, I love, I love my battle vest. And I can't remember who gets it when I die. Uh, it's mostly held together with iron on patches and mustard. And it is no affront to the Jacks team. Uh, one person has asked me in the past if I'm part of Jacks, uh, which I'm not. Uh, so it was no, you know, I'm not trying to front on them at all. Uh, and, you know, if you, would like to put one together it's it, they're they're awesome and if not then you know don't <laughs> i think you should do a how to make a battle vest number one live a life of debauchery number two have a vest number three i think you should put that together we should because we're uh you know daylight is burning we should get to the would you rather now okay this is a good one because you Oh, well, okay. I'll read this, but I'm also, I have a point or an observation to make when I'm, when I get done with it, when I get done with reading it. So what? I'm not going to say anything. Okay. Would you rather, this is how, this is how robot wrote it this week. Would you rather be half your height or double your weight? That's one. Two. That is one. Yes. Yeah. Number two. Would you rather make love to a goat and no one ever know about it, or not make love to the goat but everyone sincerely believes that you did? Now I have to take exception with this because you're not. Has anyone ever made love? And I'm going to say with a goat because <laughs> the goat has to be an active participant in this. But that's right. People don't unless you are truly one who who loves animals in a sexual way. Yeah. Let's just, were you saying this just like, were you trying to keep it PG? I was trying to turn down the volume on it because, you know, we've been, we've had such a nice um, craft based chit chat today that I didn't want to just rock up with. Okay. So this week, would you rather fuck a goat? (laughs) (laughs) I think, but I mean, that's fine. Here we are. You should. Would you rather fuck a goat and have nobody know that you did it or not fuck a goat? And have everyone think that you did. That's correct. And, and look, I just want to say. This is a hypothetical. Like, let's not freak out. This is a hypothetical. It's the goat is and the fucking are both metaphors here. <laughs> OK, no, goats. we're not abusing animals. No goats will ever be fucked on my watch. No, no, goats, that's not happening. Goats are great. This uh, is really. The goat and the and the act of of whatever uh, are metaphors. But so what is your answer? Uh, I would take half my height. So (laughs) I would be I would be three feet tall (laughs) and not fuck a goat and have everybody think that I did. If we're going to combine the two, I'd rather be three feet tall and and not fuck a goat. Hmm. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I would rather be half my height also. Uh Um, and as far as I can't believe you're you're like thinking about this. No, I mean, I think I'm with you. (laughs) What's funny is, so this would you rather came from my buddy. I think my buddy Jimmy brought this up. And then we had a like a an ongoing like there was a an initial skirmish where we talked we came up with answers, and then there was a follow on discussion about it. I think it deserves its own book, but I think in the group the consensus was you fuck the goat. Ah, oh. but in the follow on conversation, I mean, my initial response was. I think everyone probably could believe I fucked a goat anyway. 
You really. So what have I got to lose? I mean, not you specifically in the scenario, but but a person is putting a lot of stock in what they, you know, like if they care what they what people think about them. And if everybody thinks that I fucked a goat and they would just be appalled. But I know that's not true. Right. And, you know, believe about me what you want. Well, no, that's not actually true. Like if somebody said like, oh, yeah, Steve's a rapist. Exactly. Exactly. And that's uh, that I do care that people think that I don't abuse people or animals, but I would rather people think that I did abuse people or animals and not abuse people or animals. But that's right. ah, that's so rough. This was the two points of view. One of them was, um, well, it's really bad if people think that about you. And if no one ironclad, no one is ever going to know maybe the price to pay for keeping that perception of yourself clean is this compromise. And the alternate piece was all that matters is what you know about you. And so just take your punishment. That's tricky. It's the, uh, there is another would you rather when we were brainstorming uh, topics and would you rather's a few a month ago or so. And it was, would you rather do X and nobody knows about it or do Y and every, or not do X and everybody thinks you did. And it's just so like, right. you can put all kind of abhorrent uh, scenarios in, yes. uh, fill in, fill in those blanks. And, um, it, and it's interesting because I, you know, I'm thinking like, yeah, was it, what is my reputation worth to me? And, and knowing that I did something, knowing that I did something bad just to keep my reputation clear. But it's my, but I also know that I did the thing and my conscious is, is not super forgiving. It's a lose, lose thing because you, if you interfered with this goat, you would know that forever and you would not, it would be an experience that you and the goat probably would not forget. Mm-hmm. Um, but the alternate scenario in which you become a pariah for something you didn't do, that's really rough. Yeah. I think, you know, now that I think about it was, I think the scenario is like, would you have like, it was something about having like an office affair. Would you rather have an office affair or not? Oh. Everybody thinks you did or not or, or do it and nobody knows. Or, or you know, I think that's where the, the, the original concept came from. Uh, what, that's secondary. It's just sort of reflecting on my wormhole, rabbit hole of a memory. If listeners have a good case to make on this one, uh, to goat or not to goat, Please email us and give us your take. I would love to hear an alternate view to the ones I've laid out. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good one. I still think I would probably, I wouldn't, I, I, I wouldn't, and I would stick with the reputation that I had. Um, But if it involved a person or hurting a person, that that's even on a totally different level because I pride myself on not hurting people, (laughs) you know, it's a pretty low bar. And animals too, right? Well, certainly. Yeah. I mean, fucking a goat is just a funny thing to say. Right. Oof, man, that's, that's a rough one. Well, one of the, another factor that I introduced to the original discussion was, have you spent any time around goats? A little bit. They're not, they don't, they're not putting up with a lot of nonsense. I think. No, I, well, I don't know. I don't, I've never had like, you know, a real deep connection with a goat, uh, like an emotional connection where, where a goat trusted me. It's, they always just kind of come up to the fence and, you know, they want you to give them carrots or whatever. And they, you can scratch them. Like my friend Pete has goats and, and I, and I like, I enjoy being around them. I think they're really interesting and they like standing on things and they're like weird four-legged little kids. Right. But I think a goat 
a goat is always cool with you if you're doing what the goat wants. Yeah. But I think as soon as you're like, hey, let's do an, an, a non-goat activity, they become <laughs> they become unpleasant to be around quickly. <laughs> I suppose uh, having sex with a goat would be considered a non-goat activity. Yeah, I think for the goat, or maybe you just find the kinky goat. I don't know. Uh, I don't think that exists, but... but- Okay, so I enjoyed saying it. We're kind of unresolved, probably leaning more towards not doing anything with a goat and having the reputation of having done something with a goat. We haven't really talked about the height or weight one, though. Oh, I mean, uh, yeah. Would you rather be half your height or double your weight? I think being half my height. You know, actually, there's an argument to be made that they're the same thing, because if I was half my height, but the same weight. It would be like being double my weight. Oh, wait, you didn't say you didn't say that. So you'd be double your weight, but ha- but twice your height. Because, no, you know, I think all things being I think, relative. Here. No, I, I think you have to read it as you're half your height, but you're still the same proportions or you are your same height, but double your mass. Yeah, I'd, I'd go. I'd go short. You'd still do. You can still do stuff. Yeah, I would go short, too. I think it would limit the it would probably help me be injured less by being smaller, by having less mass closer to the ground. Yeah, Uh, I like I like, you know, there's that guy, Wee Man, who is a professional skateboarder and he's a he's a small he has small stature Yeah, and he rips and he's, you know, he's fucking he's totally he's a super nice guy. I met him at Interbike a bunch of years ago, just salt of the earth. Couldn't couldn't yeah. be happier with everything, you know? And yeah. Like, fuck, if he can if he's if he can do it, like he's a kind of an inspiration. If I was if I was of short stature, I would want to do life like he does it. Because he just yeah. charges. Yeah. And, you know, it's this that's the hand he's dealt. So it's like what are you crying? You can't bitch about it. Make the best out of it. If I was double my weight though, presumably I would be pretty powerful right like that comes with a lot of muscle gain maybe maybe i mean that's i maybe i'm still not picking i'm not not picking up what you're laying down because i'm just just thinking you're you're 400 pounds which doesn't mean muscly 400 pounds or you're but it doesn't not mean that well okay so let me try to clarify because this is important um you are so in the half your height scenario, you are your weight, your weight goes down to match your height. Right. And if you are double your weight, you remain the same height, but your weight just doubles. Now, is your body larger? Does it matter? Oh, so you could just be super like your proportions, but super fucking dense. Maybe you could be, I don't know. I'm, this is what I'm trying to nail down. You got like lead bones. <clears throat> yeah. So it would be, that'd be really hard on your joints. If, I think I would want to be bigger in size if I was also bigger in weight. If you were, if you were obese, then that's hard on your organs. Also hard on your joints. You do have some muscle that goes along with that because you're carrying around 200 extra pounds. I mean, that. That's the thing that really trips me out when people say, oh, I lost 50 pounds. Like, have you fucking carried 50? I mean, obviously, if you've lost 50 pounds, you've carried 50 pounds. But I always, because I grew up working in a bakery, I think about a 50 pound <laughs> bag of flour, like all all uh, right. uh, weight um, measurements I, I base on a bag of flour now like, sure. or a yeah, half like a bag of do. flour or two bags yeah. of flour. So carrying a 50 pound bag of flour around on top of, you know, like that's, that's, an, that's amazing to me uh, when it's sort of put into to that perspective. And if I was carrying well, an extra but I think 200 it comes pounds with on muscle. my frame, that's, that's what I couldn't do that. I can't pick up. I think pounds. it comes with muscle. I think if you had the same muscle mass, it's not sustainable, but I mean, no, I know plenty of people who are very big relative to me. Uh, who are athletic and 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 agile and prosperous in all of the ways? Four hundred pounds. I, well, I don't weigh two hundred pounds. Well, I, I weigh a hundred and yeah. So I would be like three twenty. I don't know. That's professional wrestlers. That's professional wrestler size. 
I mean, that's actually, that's a terrible living. I've watched a bunch of documentaries lately. Those guys have all destroyed themselves. Whenever I get uh, shipments of skateboards, I always find out like it, I always get the weight and it's like 500 pounds or whatever of wood. And yeah. I'm like, Oh, Hey, that's, that's like, I'm getting one Lou Ferrigno amount of skateboards or, you know, one Andre the Giant or however much. I bumped into, literally bumped into Lou Ferrigno one time. I was working for a company that made exercise equipment. I feel like that'd be like it's walking into a building, like bumping into a wall. Well, he's a big, big man, but he he's pretty gr- graceful, I think. Yeah. Anyway, I, so we were at this trade show and he was doing this thing like, can you do as many curls as Lou Ferrigno? Or I don't know. There was some like schlocky, stupid thing that he was doing for this company that he was a sponsor for or a um, whatever ambassador for. OK, yeah, spokesperson. And the next day uh, we were both at the hotel buffet and I was uh, had my head in my ass per usual. And I like kind of came around the side of the buffet and bumped into Lou Ferrigno. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. And he was like, oh, I'm sorry. And we went around our went back about our lives. But then I went back to the table and I was like, I just I just fully bumped into the Hulk. What the fuck? <laughs> Those, <laughs> that is crazy. And he was, you know, he was very he wasn't like, oh, look where you're going. I don't know what Lou Ferrigno really sounds like. He's deaf. He's deaf, right? He sounds like a, but a deaf I, guy. It didn't strike me when he said, excuse me, that. He seemed to speak just fine. And uh, to bump to, to be around big people is like, to, like, okay, I think, I don't know if I told the story. There's a guy, my friends have a tattoo shop and this guy walks in and he walks in and he's, he like has to duck to come in the bar. The guy's like, takes up yeah. like a third of the room. And I asked one of the people who worked at the shop, I was like, who, what is that guy's story? And they're like, oh, that's Robert Gallery. He's like first round draft pick for the fucking Raiders at the time. I think yeah. he was playing for the yeah. Raiders. The dude is huge, huge. Right. This guy is so fucking big. And I ended up chatting with him for about a half an hour. Nicest guy. Couldn't, couldn't have been kinder. And uh, everyone is so nice to you. Well, I'm a pretty pleasant individual. Oh, I'm just a pleasant guy. I have nice things to say. But so when we parted ways, He's like, oh, listen, my friends want to get out of here. It was good talking with you. And we do the like the bro kind of hug thing. And he pulls me in. And I realize as he pulls me in, I'm six, just shy of six one. My ear goes between his pecs. Like, right. I don't realize like I'm looking at him, but then he brings me in and he, I just he just envelops me like. Yeah. And I can't remember how tall he is. It's like six, six or six, seven, two hundred and seventy pounds. This guy is a fucking mountain. Yeah. Uh, And you don't, I don't know. I don't know why, you know, like when I was standing in front of him, but when he like crushed me between his man boobs, I was like, oh yeah, (laughs) dude, it's a, it's the biggest human being I've ever seen in my life. I don't know. Physical anomalies. I love them. Yeah. I think it would be hard. It'd be a hard life if you were, if you were very large, because the world is built for average people. Well, there is an average. Yeah. You, when you're, when you're short, it doesn't work super good. And when you're, gigantic it doesn't work super good yeah uh so <clears throat> yeah i'll take short and a and a bad rumor about me that's what i'm that's yeah what I'm don't 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 make don't interfere with goats people uh and i think that's i guess that's it we're about an hour just after an hour and We've solved uh, all the world's problems again thanks for listening to revolting if you have questions for us or topics you want us to pontificate on email me at stevel at cyclingindependent.com or robert at cyclingindependent.com. If you like this or any of the other fun stuff you find on the Cycling Independent, please share it with a friend. It's the only way we have to keep this party going. So on behalf of Cycling Independent, I'm Stevel. And I'm Don't forget to suck it. Back.